Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Today's a very special day for me today because I have my very first guest. He is Bearcat legend and Bearcat broadcaster and a member of the Final Four 92 Final Four team is Terry Nelson. How you doing today, Terry? Jeff, man, I'm, I'm happy to be alive and healthy, bro. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you on that. How's uh, everything going with you with the uh, corona pandemic and uh, how's your family? Family is good. Um, you know, we, we still, I, I still take my son out and, and train him. Football, we go up to UC and train. It, we had to leave Nippert Stadium because it was just too many people around there. So it's not really a chance to really social distance. But we go over to the soccer field and it's a lot more space. So. Right. I got to make sure I get my couple of miles in and he's throwing passes to, you know, his teammates. And then we, you know, I, I keep a big bottle of hand sanitizer right, right, right. at all times. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he sanitizes his football, <laughs> he sanitizes his hands, all the receivers. And I'm like, look, you know, now the second evolution of that is playing, you know, getting his workout in right. with mask on. Yes, sir. <laughs> yep, I, so. I, I feel you. I, I still going to work myself. I got to wear a mask every day. I know last time I talked to you, we were going to try to do this interview uh, around the AAC tournament, but, you know, that right. that, that never happened. So uh, what was the reaction like uh, down there from the Bearcat players, coaches, you know, when the uh, tournament got canceled? It was a lot of uncertainty. Right. Because um, we were sitting around, and, I, you know, I room on the road with Andre Fouché this year. He's our sports information director. Okay. So he's always the first to hear about whatever because he's in contact with league office and other SIDs and they're on this group chat and group text and and it goes immediately like they'll be in a group text and they'll get a something from the league office and then all of a sudden you'll get an email that goes up on the website that says breaking news um, on GoBearCats.com and then they'll have the, the schedule conference has been canceled so we're sitting over here and we had a buy. Right. So it was a Thursday, and we were going to go over to the arena and watch the other teams play. And so we're just sort of hanging out. And we were, it was about 11.30. The game started at 12. And all of a sudden, we get to about 11.30, and they said, well, the games have been canceled. The tournament have been canceled. Right. And it was like, oh, man, are you serious? And so there was so much uncertainty. Then they then they canceled. Well, we know the NBA canceled first. Right, right. Then they canceled the tournaments. Mm-hmm. And then they said, we're going to cancel the first four. And then, uh, you know, you got word that they're going to cancel the NCAA tournament. Right. And it was, just, it was devastating because, you know, you look at the work that the guys had put in to get to that spot. And yes, they did finish, you know, tie for first in the conference, um, and had some great accolades with with, with Trey Young. I'm sorry, Trey Young, <laughs> Trey Scott. <laughs> I, I knew who you meant. <laughs> he was shooting like Trey Young for me. He, he, dude, he sure was there down the stretch. He was he's playing really well. Yeah, but to see them guys not be able to, you know, put a. Um, a nightcap on their career right. because you put all the work in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trey was just, Trey was like one of those guys that was him and Gary Clark. You'd be lucky if you got one of those in your program, in the history of your program. And you hope that one person could be a model for everybody else. And the great thing about Trey is that he saw Gary 
he saw Gary's ascension. He saw the work that Gary put in. He saw Gary constantly in the training room, even though he wasn't hurt. He was just doing preventative stuff, icing, stretching, getting stem, um, using all the technology, trying to grow, understand, wanting to understand the game on a higher level. Trey took on the same mentality. Uh, Gary Clark was always in hospitals, visiting kids and sick patients and doing outreach and just letting this presence be felt, knowing that he's the face of Cincinnati basketball, which is a big brand in the greater Cincinnati area, if not nationally. And he's the face of that brand. And so he would use his platform to be in hospitals, to speak at clubs, uh, you know, youth organizations. And Trey took on that same moniker. So to see both of those guys and to see Trey not be able to finish what he started was a little disheartening, but as he put it, if getting the offensive rebound put back to win the conference championship, yep, exactly, was the end of his career, right. he's okay with that. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's one of the things I said on my show because I know he uh he did a story on I think it was Bearcats.com or something that he's you know devastated is the way the the season ended, but that's what he said because that's the way my career ended. That's that's a great way to end it. And one thing I said is. One good thing is the Bearcats ended their season on a win. <laughs> Most of the time, we you know end up, unless you win the whole thing, you know you, you don't you don't you end the, your season on a on a loss. So at least at least they won that last game, so that was good. Right, right. Yeah, well, for them to to put together the season that they had and how it started, right. And you know, I just love. Um, I'm gonna go into my bromance right now for <laughs> Coach John Brennan. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he looks at a 30-game season, and I looked at it at six, five-game segments, and he looks at it at five, six-game segments. And so because they spend so much money in analytics to try to figure out how they're going to, you know, the information, he says the information is out there, so use it to not just know about your opponents, but to know about yourself. Right. Um, and so he would take this information and you would have to get a sample size. So he couldn't just do it um, to start. What he would do was he would take the first six games and then looked at the data because they would give him this exhaustive uh, outlook of his team. And he found out that, you know, Chris McNeil was better coming off the bench because the team had a higher production and a faster pace with Micah Adams was at point guard. Right. And then the next 12, the next six games got us to um, after the Iowa game. Yeah. And coach sat down in the locker room after the team got dressed. Uh, the team were in one side. He went back to the coach's locker room. And I heard this from one of the coaches. Coach Brandon said something to the effect that I feel like I'm letting you guys down and I'm letting the team down. Hmm. Um, I'm not doing the best job with this team what he meant was uh, his system doesn't fit the personnel that they have right right so it, he's gonna break the system and recreate it mm -hmm. so 50 percent of it he can keep in you know the hard the toughness the, the full court man-to-man -man, but some of the offensive schemes some of the defensive schemes they're gonna mix up because jaron's playing but jaron's playing hurt so right. how do you conceal that uh, Jaron shouldn't be picking up full court. So Keith can pick up full court. You know, at times, let's go 1-3-1 one, one with Mamadou up top. Right. So 
he did all these things to change it, but the pace, he wants to play breakneck pace. Yeah, he wants to play really fast, yes. Made or miss. Like, right. he wants to, you know, he wants to get into the 85s. You right. know, he wanted to be average in high 80s. And he couldn't do that all the time with Jaron. Jaron would sometimes catch it off the rebound or get it out of bounds real quick and hit a kick ahead to Keith. You know, but he wanted it all the time. Right. And so he's going to get a chance to do that. But he didn't get a chance to do it as much as he wanted to this year. So I would say about 70%, if that, of his system was put in. One of the things I love about him is his, uh, you know, after that, he put the ball in the hands of Jaron. Right. The data showed that when Jaron, he's just such an efficient player, he affects winning, you know, with his passing his ability to play pick and roll basketball. So just taking the numbers, taking the data, making it work for his team, he found out that certain guys shoot better from the left three-point wing than they do on the right. So when he starts diagramming plays, he's diagramming them for that person to come over there in their sweet spot so they can make a shot. So it doesn't seem like much. It seems like you should be able to, you know, make shots all over the floor, but everybody has a favorite spot. Yeah, I was about to say, I said, I said everybody's got a favorite shot. I even had one, I mean, not anymore, but you know, back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> well, your, your, chances, your chances of making the shot go up incredibly Right. when you believe that this is your spot. Right. That's, you know, that's interesting. They break it down that much. I didn't realize they broke it down to the sides, the spot, everything of, to where they make the their most consistent uh, shooting. That's that's. I mean, that's a totally different. I'm sure they didn't have analytics back uh, on the '92 team. I don't think Huggins uh, no. had anything to do with that. No, <laughs> no, his analytics was in his head. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, he, right, right. And he told you exactly what he wanted, <laughs> whether you wanted to hear it or not. Right, <laughs> whether you wanted to hear it or not. <laughs> but just 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 to, just to button up the John Brennan uh, thing, uh-huh. but what, just what he would do during timeouts, his play calling is just is second to none. I mean, to see the stuff he draws up out of bounds plays, he calls them just when they sometimes just because they're tired, he get the ball down, knowing that he can take it below the free throw line to get the ball underneath. He'll call a timeout there. And then he'll draw up an out-of-bounds play underneath to get a duck in for Chris Folk because Chris hasn't touched the ball in a while and they're double-teaming right. him. And you can't double-team out of an out-of-bounds play. Right. So just those little just those little things when you see it from an analyst's point of view and it's like, man, this guy's play calling is elite. His thinking is elite. Mm-hmm. And it took them a while, the Bearcats, to figure out how, his, his method. And once they figured out his method, Coach Brandon was saying all year long, he goes... We're going to play better at the end of the season, he said, because my system is geared to get better and better as the games go on because they're going to get more comfortable in some of the things they're doing in practice, which is going to create the habits that will show in the game. So right. he said, we're going to get better. We're going to get better. We're going to get better. And then sure enough, they had that stretch of four conference overtimes in a row. Yeah. You know, a double overtime. Mm-hmm. I mean, just unbelievable minutes. But each and every game, they came back from deficits. Right. And it just shows you the mental toughness and the play calling and the ability to fight through adversity because bad calls, foul trouble, turnovers, missed shots, they just found a way to claw back and get into a game. Right. You never felt they were ever out of a game, no matter how far they got down this past year. And I, I, I think Coach Brandon did a tremendous job just from coming in, you know, the new coach, you know, you got guys that left, he brought some new guys in, and freshmen coming in. You know, he had guys leave during the season. His father passed away. 
I mean, there was so much up and down emotions, and I think and just stuff he had to deal with that hopefully next year in a normal season, you know, he won't have to deal with that. I think he handled all of it great. And the Bearcats, I was very excited about the AAC tournament and seeing how it was going to end, you know, how how they were going to respond. Because I was, they were, I won't say hitting on all cylinders, but they're pretty close. That's right. And they felt it, you know, we, we sat around and I would ask Trey Scott and I said, Trey, you know, every year in the final four, there's at least one of the final four, if not two of the number one seed in the final four. Right. I said, and then there's always a two or three seed, you know, that made it possibly a four seed. I said, but then there's always a Cinderella. Lately, it's mm-hmm. been a, you know, a 11th seed or a ninth seed or right. 12th seed. I said, so once you get in the tournament, why not us? And he goes, exactly. T-Nail, that's what I'm, he said, T-Nail, that's what I'm talking about. I'm going to start <laughs> saying that. Yeah, why not us? Why, that's exactly right. right. Yeah, so yeah. this was right before the, you know, we were getting on the plane, going to the conference championship. And the conference championship gets canceled. So the why not us? <laughs> yeah, it kind of went out the window. But I, I, I agree with you. It was, it was a very stressful up and down season. But, I mean, I would have loved to have found out what would have happened. And, and uh, uh, you know, we got to get to the another up. Guy, when I ask you about it, uh, I know it's close to to you and to the Bearcats is that we uh, all lost this past year was Chuck Mayshock, and uh, just some thoughts on on him. Or you got any any cool Chuck stories or anything like that? Nah, Chuck was my man. Chuck yep. was just he was always, you know, he always called you candy ass when you didn't do something <laughs> you were supposed to do. We didn't give it the hundred percent effort, but he was a direct communicator and a and a tremendous coach. Like he could really teach. And as a coach, either you're play calling when you're a head coach, but as an assistant coach, you're teaching. So it's a right. different thing. So he was a tremendous teacher how to break the game down into segments, footwork, positioning, timing, um, just seeing the game from a different perspective. My junior college, junior college coach, Gary Anderson, was that when we were in Long Beach City, you know, I was always talented, but I, I didn't know the fundamentals. And then right. he, he broke the fundamentals down to me and taught me the game. And it was like, I took a big leap. We went to the state championship and lost to Corey Blunt and Eric Martin in the state championship. We all come out here. And then I had another good coach with Bob Mm -hmm. Huggins, who was a great teacher, and Chuck Mayshock, who was a tremendous low-post coach teacher and taught us positioning, toughness, how to box um, aggressively, how to read shoulders on defense. And, uh, you know, and so me being able to take the charge was based on the positioning and the quickness and the post that I learned from Chuck Mayshock. Right. Yeah, Chuck was a great guy. I mean, obviously, I don't know him from coaching. I just know him from listening to the broadcast. And and Dan Horde would always end the show after, you know, how many days it's been that since Chuck Mayshock has gotten thrown out. And that always, I always (laughs) chuckled. I think it was like 446. Yeah, something like that. Cause I'll never forget it. I, I was I was listening to the game. And I was working and and I missed the whole thing when Chuck got burned out. But one of my my managers came up and he was a Louisville fan, and he goes, "Hey, one of your broadcasts just got thrown out of the game." I said, "What?" I said, "That's got to be Chuck." So I, I turned the game back on and Dan's like, "Well, I'm here all by myself in the booth." So that was just a, a funny, interesting Chuck moment that, you know, I, I love Chuck Mayshock. Like I said, I don't know him personally, but I, I love listening to him on the broadcast and the struggle for the stake and all that. All that stuff was really, 
really neat uh, to listen to them on the broadcast. So uh, I'm going to get back to you talking about when you played uh, against Corey Blunt in uh, junior college and stuff, and then you guys all decided to come to Cincinnati. Um, how did that all how, – how did you get to become a Bearcat? Well, Corey and I would play – my first year, I went out of, out of high school. I went to Cal State Fullerton. Okay. And uh, the coach got fired, or he, you know, it was a study, and he, he resigned. And I actually said, I, I need to get out of here because I don't want to play for somebody that I didn't come to play for. And the, right. so the assistant coach, Donnie Daniels, was a longtime assistant with uh, Gonzaga now. He said, why don't you play for my buddy at L.A. Harbor? That's where Pete Rose went to junior college. Okay. He said, go play for him. I said, all right. So I go over there, we play, and we have the most wins in school history, which was 23. We're 23 and 11. And I was sort of the game changer for him because there was a, the run-of-the-mill program. And then we played Corey Blunt's team, Rancho uh, Santa Ana, in the, cha- uh, in the second round. Okay. And so their team won the state. Their team was undefeated. They had one loss. And they ended up winning the state that year. And Corey was the player of the year. But I had a really big game against that team in – when they came back, I transferred to Long Beach City, and we had a stacked team. Eric Martin transferred from TCU, Texas Christian, to join Corey. And so I'm like, man, a stacked team already? We right. played them five or six times in the summer league. Right. And had battles going back and forth. And then we would just hang out. You know athletes do when you play in these tournaments and stuff? We would just hang out and talk and chop it up. Right. And we were talking about you know some of the schools that we were going to visit. And I said, I'm going to visit Cincinnati. And Corey said, yeah, man, they're recruiting me hard. He was talking about Steve Moeller. I said, yeah, Steve Moeller. He said, all right, we should take our trip together. So it was like, bet. So we took a trip. And we went down there. And I said, man, the first night, I said, I'm signing with Cincinnati. <laughs> he said, what soldier? He said, what are you talking about? Well, you got to same thing that Corey said. I said, look, you got a, a coach out here that wants to press. The same style that we playing in junior college, both Corey and I. I said, he wants to play that. I said, he's a great teacher. He's a great demander. I said, some great atmosphere. It's a new arena, and there's no pro basketball team here. Right. I said, so there's a lot of entertainment here, a lot of nightlife, a lot of clubs. I said, but we are the main attraction when it comes to basketball, us and Xavier. Mm-hmm. So, but I was really more concerned about us because everybody was like, this is a Cincinnati town. If you win, the town is yours. So we were like... This is where I want to be. And Corey was like, man, I'm going to Tennessee and Utah and all these places. So he took his trips. Right. I canceled the rest of mine. No, I took the Hawaii trip for the second time. <laughs> hey, I, I, I don't blame you there. I, I think I would have taken the Hawaii trip too, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then so he ended up signing. And then once he signed, it was committing. And then once he committed, we went after Eric Martin. And then Eric was like, man, Corey told me that you guys had a good a good time down there. What, what, why did you want to? I said, just go. Just take a trip. So he took a trip. <laughs> he ended up signing. And so they called Steve Moeller the California caper because he came in. We were the three <laughs> best players in California. And right. he got all of us to go to Cincinnati. We got, He got Nick Van Exel out of uh, Trinity Valley in Texas Junior College from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Grabbed him. We already had Herb Jones, who was the National Junior College Player of the Year, who had a great first year at UC dunking on Louisville and all that stuff. We had him. Yep. Then you had Anthony Buford who transferred from Akron who sat out that year who wanted to establish himself. So you had all this mix. And then you had AD and Terrence. You had great... We just hit it off as best friends the minute we got together. I mean, we were right. always together. 
and it was that kind of bond that we were able to be frank with each other. Like we can tell guys when they got beat back door that man, you're getting your ass towed up today. Come on, man. What are you, <laughs> you know, and that competitive nature, we could talk to each other like brothers. Right. And right. so that kind of communication, that kind of bond allowed us to have the kind of run that we had over those two years, 56 and 10, 29 and five, final four one year, 27 and five with the lead eight overtime loss the second year. Yeah. I mean, that senior class that was, was beast. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's you guys. I mean, you guys are the ones that got the program uh, back on track to, to, you know, back from where, where it was back in the 60s when we wanted, you know, back to back years. I mean, there really wasn't anything from there until 92 when you guys made it to the Final Four and then the Elite Eight the next year. So, uh, Bearcat fans, we owe, owe that team an awful lot to bringing our, our program to where it is today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's the genesis, I call it. Um, you know, the program was was high in the 61s. In fact, very soon there's going to be, we just, my, my producer from Fox Sports Ohio, David Ashbrock, produced a documentary or the game from the 1961 championship. Really? There was never been, uh, it's never been seen before. It wasn't recorded live. The NCAA didn't record it live. And so a local TV station did a broadcast. They recorded it, but nobody can find it. It's been lost. And so huh. the only film was from the coach's camera. The coaches just record their own games. And so right, right. producer David Ashbrock and his brilliant genius, he also found two uh, radio calls. So he found those two radio calls, synced them together, along with the coach's camera. So because of that, you didn't film was so expensive back then that they only recorded the offense of they only recorded once the ball was in. They never recorded out of bounds plays. They didn't record um you know, wait. The, yeah. the, when the ball was in play, that's when the recording started. Yeah, it's, it's a coach's film. He doesn't care about the when the ball is out of play. So he they, wants to see the ball. So, they, so right. they put all that together. He created a score clock that made it look like it was retro, like it was actually there. So he created a score clock. He really? The timer that synced with the game. And so wow. Dan and I did a pregame. We did a halftime, and then we did a postgame to sort of create a document. Um, so it's going to be shown on Channel 12, KR, WKRC. We just don't know when because the NCAA uh, put a freeze on all projects being released that are collegiate. Uh, and I'm like, this is, you know, this this is some of the stuff that I just don't understand about the NCAA. They're so money hungry. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not their, it's not their footage. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they, they didn't even right. film it. They the coach film Right. <laughs> So and you guys and you guys did all the work to put it together. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, like I said, NCAA makes lots of decisions that I don't understand and agree with. So, but either way, that sounds very, very cool. I, I please let me know when that's coming out. I will definitely uh, talk about it on my show and uh, get the word out. That that would be very, very cool. I I got a question. Have you guys ever talked about doing a a documentary or anything about the 92 team about about what you're just talking about right there and the camaraderie you guys had and how you came together and you know the, the run i mean from the, the you know the first year to uh, 92 to the the, the elite uh the elite eight year have you guys ever talked about doing anything like absolutely. that absolutely <laughs> yeah corey's got all the footage and so i talked to my Corey does? yeah he got a lot of footage he's, he, he sends it to us in our chat thread all the time so I'm going to talk to my producer 
about putting it all together. He was just working on this one. So I was letting him get through right. this. Yeah. But he's going to have some footage from back in the day. He can access stuff from ESPN. We got to figure out how much the dollar amount's going to be for right. <laughs> all comes out of NCAA fees and all that stuff. Right. 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 And then we go out and we, we get somebody to produce it. Well, I mean, we come up with it. Yeah. Well, he'll produce it. Yeah, he's got an executive producer. We got to get the money for it. Right. Yeah, I guarantee you, people would definitely be interested in that because I've always like that's my favorite team. I mean, not to make you feel old or date myself, but I was in high school then <laughs> when you guys were playing. So it's been a little while, but that that was my favorite. I mean, it was between the '92 uh, team and and uh, Kenya Martin's senior year. Those are my two favorite uh, teams of all time, <laughs> uh, for, as far as Bearcats go. I mean, in my lifetime, that I've actually have to see. So. <laughs> right. So it that that sounds awesome. So um, just I guess there one final question, and I'll let you go here. But um, what what is your thoughts on the uh, upcoming season? Well, when we have it, that's I'm I'm looking at it as when we have it. It's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, thoughts on the Bearcats in, in 2020 and 2021. What's your what, what's your thoughts? Well, on I'm that? excited because you're going to have more shooters to space the floor. You're going to have a team centric mm-hmm. player. When we played, like when Oscar, as great as Oscar was, leading the team in points, rebounds, assists on a team that went to back to back Final Fours when they played, it was when right. he left that other guys had to step mm-hmm. up. So they had to divvy up those points, rebounds, and assists amongst other players, which brought their value up because they felt like it wasn't a one man show and he, they can do more. And they went to back to back, they won back to back championships and lost a third at the Thunder. Uh-huh. So, yeah, some people forget that Oscar wasn't even right. on the team for them when they that's actually right. won. So <laughs> when you look at the team that's going next year, there's no Jaron Cumlin, there's no Trey Scott, um, right. guys that put the work in and deserve all the notoriety and shot attempts and all the stuff that they got. But now you got guys that are hungry. Keith Williams, he'll be back. He just putting his name out there to see what what's. I'll, that's I'm glad you said that. I, I was going to ask you about that. I, I really hope he comes back. Well, he hasn't signed with an agent yet, but I believe. Um, Okay. You know, he's going to go and, and take a look and see what they want, see see the kind of drill they want. Right, right. But the emergent. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I I think you should. You should you know check out you know what you need to work on and everything. Mm-hmm. The emergence of Mamadou Dier. Um. A, a stronger. Hopefully, we can get a, a quicker Chris Bolt. But the yeah. fact that they have everything closed down, he's not able to work with the strength trainer, is really hampering his progress right mm-hmm. now. But the right. Madsen Twins, right. the way they shoot the ball coming in, can spread the floor. Um, mm-hmm. You got speedy point guard right. coming in. You got the 3A player of the year that replaced Trey Scott and from, from Seattle uh, coming in. So you got a couple of positions still open that I don't know if they're going to go after grad transfers, which they're trying to go after some transfers right now. They're in that heavy transfer market. They try to get some experience right. to come in because he wants multi-position 3 and D players. You know, right. guys that can really stretch the floor and pick up and, and switch and do all the stuff that they want. And I just love the way he assembles his teams. So we may miss out on some of the guys they initially go after, but it's a huge, it's over, over 600 guys in the transport portal right now. So it's a whole nother market. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I didn't know there was that many. And one thing I, I loved about uh, 
Coach Brandon and, and the way he coaches, and it reminds me of, of you guys in the Final Four team, is, is the full full court press. That that I, I think that is such a game changer that he does. And I, it, it changes, it speeds teams up, and they, you know, gets them less time in the shot clock. So I, I, that's one of the biggest things that I love that. Uh, yeah, John and Brandon it really teaches because most teams don't press anymore. Most teams do a soft right. press just to run a couple seconds off the clock where they put full court pressure, but no trapping. You know, full court pressure to slow you down, walk the ball up so you get the ball across half court at 22 seconds. Whereas coaches, right. he is, he's trapping in the backcourt. He's trying to make you pass it at least twice. If he can make you throw it in, double mm-hmm. team you, and then make a pass somewhere, there's a chance that pass gets stolen. If it's a cross court pass, there's a chance the backline guy can go and get a deflection, tip it, and grab it. So, yeah, I love the fact that he presses as well. Yeah, I've, I've been very, very impressed with uh, with Coach Brandon this year. I, I, I got to say, I, I didn't watch Northern Kentucky, except for when they played the Bearcats and we beat them, so I didn't know anything about him. But uh, I'm, I'm very happy that he's the uh, the coach of the Bearcats moving forward. And I think the, the program's in good I hands. I think it's great hands. My thanks once again for Terry Nelson for joining me on my podcast and YouTube show today. He was my very first interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, I have some Facebook groups that I like to mention here. They are Bearcat Country, Reds Country, and Bengals Nation. You guys have been unbelievable. On the YouTube channel, I have 333 subscribers. Let's try to get to 400 as fast as we can. If you're listening to me on Apple Podcast, do me a favor. Give me a five-star review. And on any of the other podcasts, Beanpot, Anchor, Spotify, subscribe to my show. And every time I do a show, it'll pop up. Other than that, it's Friday. Kind of a different show than I normally do because it's all Terry Nelson all the time. You guys have a great, safe weekend. And that's just sports, baby. Tell all your friends about me. See ya.